0: I don't know what's going to happen to Twitter. I don't know what's going to happen to Elon Musk. I'm not sure I care all that much. But sometimes when I don't know what to think, I look and see who's throwing a tantrum to calibrate my own views. And the people throwing a tantrum right now makes me believe whatever's happening is probably okay.
1: Attention passengers,
0: we ask
2: that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Fly over country when Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff.
3: Brought to you by FC Scott Jennings Coin. <laughs> Buy some now. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to uh. for Country with Scott Jennings, Sean Southern, Kevin Route, Jared Crawford. I'm Joe Arnold. And yes, we have the new uh, Scott Jennings cryptocurrency available now.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a market. There's a need left. for one because uh, <laughs> well, every, you know uh, everything else has gone downhill. Why, w- before we start, we have to welcome back to the pod. Kevin Grout. Hey guys. Yeah. Great Who's to be back. Welcome. Welcome. He's come welcome. back from having a new Kevin, tiny Kevin Grout. <laughs> yes. Tell us, my friend. <laughs> I have
2: minions crawling around. Yes, yes. Uh, my wife and I welcomed uh, our new son, uh, Theodore. Uh, hey. Earlier this month. Really and, good. Uh, we we're very, very happy.
0: Theodore Allen Grout. Yeah, Theodore Allen Grout. Great middle
3: name, yeah. by the way. Are you calling him the Bull Moose?
2: <laughs> we are uh, calling him Teddy, but my older son, my three-year-old Henry, is adamant his nickname is Mr. T. Mr. T? <laughs> Mr. T. Pity the fool. <laughs> so there will be a Halloween costume in Teddy's future, I'm sure.
0: That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, congratulations. to you and Thank your you. lovely wife. Everybody doing good at home, Everyone right? is good. All right. Very good. All right. Kevin's yeah. back. Well, boy, what is going on? You
2: guys Daniel's weren't too mean together. to me while I was gone, right? I don't you didn't
3: recall. You yeah,
2: I, I listen, but I I know there's a lot that goes on when the microphones aren't recorded. I will
3: say thanks again to Congressman uh, Jamie Comer for joining us. Yeah, really great. Interview. Made a lot of news. Yeah, uh, and really kind of uh, yeah prefaced a lot of the uh, stuff that came out the last couple of days here here on the in the world. And and uh, thanks to him for for joining us there. And that'll be a big part of uh, I would think 2023 moving forward as far as what happens with that. But I do want to talk to you, Scott. Yeah. First of all, let's before we get to the the crypto meltdown. And and associated content there. Uh, saw you on CNN on what was that uh, mm, Tuesday pe- night, uh, Wednesday we, night? No, last night. Yeah, the, when were, it's Thursday. I forgot what day it is. It was last night. But <laughs> with Anderson Cooper, it's interesting about yeah. you know you 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 raised a point uh, on CNN uh, on the evening of the midterms. Yeah, that it seems now that people are kind of coming around to. I'm always a little ahead of the curve, <laughs> just a little. And that is
0: well. I said on election night, about halfway through when the results were coming in, I said and then tweeted, I don't know how anyone could look at these midterm results and conclude that Donald Trump has any chance of being elected president of the United States in 2024. And then we went on that night and really for the rest of the week to talk about whether he was going to be the Republican nominee for president. And I had posited at the time that it struck me that the air was going to start coming out of the balloon faster than people thought. And polling that has come out this week over the last few days seems to confirm my point of view. There was a number of surveys this week. One came out from USA Today and Suffolk University. One came out from The Wall Street Journal, and one came out from CNN. And the main takeaways in all these surveys were Trump was fading, DeSantis was rising, DeSantis was leading Trump, DeSantis was leading Joe Biden in some of this data, but what is really clear is that Republicans are looking for the next lily pad, and they think, and at this moment, it appears to me they found it, they, in this, I believe it was the CNN survey, they tested the Republican primary field, um, you know, Trump, DeSantis, but then DeSantis versus everyone else, basically, and nobody... Registered more than one percent. And Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, yeah. who else was on there. Mitt Romney. Yeah, I mean everybody. All of us got one percent. I mean, <laughs> just, <laughs> well, out, not, of cur- just not out of Kevin, curiosity, <laughs> why would you why would you include <laughs> Mitt Romney on there? He was a previous nominee. I mean, yeah, I don't know. But but the point is, nobody's getting any support except for DeSantis, which suggests to me a couple of things. Number one, Republicans are looking for the next generation of leadership, and number two, Republicans understand. The strategic imperative, if if the party is going to move on, it cannot be in a field of 20 candidates. It's going to be in a field where one person emerges to take on Trump. So all this polling this week that came out from all these media organizations confirms what I started to sense on election night and during election week. We'll see if it continues. What I find remarkable is just how little Ron DeSantis has had to do to get this support. I mean – Well, other than governed. I mean he's <clears throat> governed well. He won big reelection. But he's not announced a campaign. Right. Uh, he's made a few public announcements, but it, you know he's not out actively running. Trump, on the other hand, announced a campaign and is out, I guess, trying to get the nomination, among other things. And uh, and 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 uh, it's like the the pole he's trying to climb is covered in grease. And so it's pretty been a pretty uh, pretty bad month for the former president. I'll say I'll say two things on this.
4: One one I think that people in this country are ready for leadership outside of the Washington D.C bubble yep. and I think that that people are looking to DeSantis for that reason I think that he's seen as a leader of, of flyover country of, of real America uh, out here and where people live and that was kind of when people were stuck at home and watching uh, watching press conferences from government leaders he was kind of the seemed to be the reasonable one for for most of us in uh, flyover country The second thing is is the amount of people that I talk to that don't realize that the former president has actually announced, campaign. They're saying, oh, it's Trump should Trump should announce here soon. And (laughs) and uh, there are people out there who seem to have just completely missed uh, people who are plugged in that are grassroots uh, Republicans uh, that that have missed that. And I want to ask you a question, Scott. Yeah. From your experience of being involved with presidential campaigns, you know, if you're uh, one of these candidates that that is polling at one percent or two percent and you see you know, that Dos Santos is such a behemoth and you see that Trump is still maintaining some support in the party. I mean, what is your rationale for getting into the race at that point? Like what, what is what is going on in the Mike Pompeo and Nikki Haley camps right now to 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 say, you know what, I, I do need to to go to Iowa, New Hampshire and do all of this. Like what's what's the rationale?
0: Well, what, what you're hoping for, and it's a great question, but what you're hoping for is that once you start traveling and getting out there and, and meeting people in earnest and talking about 2024 in a way uh, that pits you against an alternative or that pits you as the right nominee. Remember, a lot of these Republicans <clears throat> have been out running around the country supporting each other. You know, I mean, <laughs> hey, we're all on the same team here. We're all Republicans. We're all right. – you know, we should all get now, – now it's different. Now you're going to see – Mike Pompeo saying, well, you shouldn't pick Pence, you should pick me. Or you'll see Haley saying, well, you shouldn't pick this, person; you should pick me. So when you get into that phase of the campaign, you're kind of hoping that you, you start to catch a little lightning in a bottle out there. You know, you, you make a successful trip to Iowa. You get some key endorsements. You make a speech that's well-received. You have a big day fundraising. You, you're looking to capture, at some point, a little bit of momentum that then sets you apart from the other one percenters. And for some people, that'll be Iowa. For some, it could be New Hampshire. Uh, but but that's essentially what they're looking to do.
2: Because in previous cycles, it people have risen and fallen. You know, people yeah. have been the front runner and then yeah. you know disappeared completely. This yeah. just feels different um, to me. But Does but it? DeSantis has been on top for I, a, of the non- Trumps. He's been on top for a while. I think
0: Trump in sixteen did not face a single person who carried the deep reservoir of support among conservatives nationally that Ron DeSantis carries right now. A lot of that is due to COVID. But a lot of it is also due to the fact that if you're the governor of a large state that's thought of as a swing state mm-hmm. and you're that successful and you win by 20 points, I mean, th- there is something about that. I just think back to the George W. Bush days, you know, winning re-election in Texas and then, you know, flowing right into a presidential campaign. I think these governors of these large states just get – they, they get – you get something out of that. But the, there's no question that, that Desantis's performance during COVID, the way he was made into a villain by the national press, was rocket fuel. Right. And then that turned into a 20-point victory in Florida, and all of a sudden this guy looks like a winner and
3: everybody else looks small. I know that Donald Trump certainly has certain gifts in terms of reaching his the, – the electorate that he – yeah, was able to fire up. You know, the catnip was there. He, he, he's able to kind of propagate there. But what's missing this time that he had the, the previous two times is media complicity. In 2016, that was a, that was a conspiracy of so, or sorts, yeah. maybe a silent one. That you know, after he he clearly put himself out there to be sort of the antidote to Barack Obama, and the the mainstream media, the the cable networks in particular. Bought into it hook, line, and sinker because of the whole concept of, hey, if we can really kind of fool the whole world here and make him the nominee, what a joke. This is the way to get Hillary to be elected. Yeah. So we know that happened. Obviously, he won, uh, at least the electoral count there. And then you have the, um, the, the, you know, the trappings of the presidency, which you can't help but cover him at that point and just rail against him. What's, what's missing this time from the previous two times? The trappings are gone. You have him basically for a while banned, and now he's maybe not – he's been unbanned from Twitter, but he doesn't want to go on that because he has his own company mm-hmm. there. His And the, the, all the infrastructure of Trump, Inc., in that regard, Trump Media, Inc., are gone. Yeah. So to me, he doesn't have anywhere near the kind of support that he he had the, the, the previous two times.
0: And I think he also suffers from the dents to his argument. Remember, his argument all along was – Politicians are stupid. Washington is stupid. I'm a winner from the business community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to win and keep winning, you'll elect somebody who's won his entire life. I mean, that was sort of the the argument. He lost the national popular vote in 16, got blown out in the 18 midterms, lost the White House in 20, lost the Georgia Senate races in 21. We didn't do well, and, and a lot of his people lost in 22. So now that whole argument of the politicians are stupid and I'm the only one that knows how to win, what have we ever won? I mean, that I mean, as an electoral matter, the one and only thing we won was the White House in 2016, and we even won by accident. I mean, it is it is an accident to win the White House when you lose the national popular vote. it's a it's a historical accident. You sort of tripped into it or backed into it. And I just think Republicans are tired of having to back into everything that we get.
2: and then he goes on to attack his only, uh, policy victories. I mean, he's out there attacking his own Supreme Court nominees when they don't side with him. I think he is afraid to, or he, he doesn't want to keep his winning going. And and you're right, the the myth of the winner is gone. I,
0: I oh sorry, Sean. I was going to say one one other thing, and and maybe you can respond to this. I, I also think that when he he ran <clears throat> in 16, it was he was the insurgent, he was the outsider. But I'm sorry, after you have been your party's nominee twice after you have been the president of the United States, you are the establishment. Okay? You're the establishment. You control the RNC. You've got all this infrastructure. You get all these people who work for you that are fully dependent upon you for their livelihoods. You are the establishment. DeSantis looks like the insurgent now. He looks like the one who was willing to swim upstream against the national media and against Fauci and against the corporations and against, you know, the left in this country. He looks like the insurgent. And Trump, Feels like the establishment. It's larger. It's it's unwieldy. It's it's harder to drag around. It, it. This is a total role reversal from sixteen.
4: Yeah, and I think that in a lot of ways, to what you were pointing to about the the way supporters feel felt about him in sixteen. Versus, I think that he thought by jumping in the race early that he would freeze the field, mm-hmm. and that like Napoleon returning from the island of Elba, Elba. Uh, that you know everyone would greet him and and it would be a coronation, and he would return and and i think that this is what this is showing is that he's going to have to actually run a real a real, race. a real race and he's going to have to try to recreate some of the magic that he had in 2016 and the the one thing that we have not yet to be seen we've not seen yet is whether or not these people who are polling at one actually make the decision to get
0: into the race. And and I've heard some people fret about this. You know, oh, we're going to have another fragmented field and Trump's going to win with 30% of the vote. Well, look, there's a long time between today and when votes actually start getting cast in these primaries. And I actually think it's a good thing if the race goes ahead and gets started so that people can get out there and figure out if they're viable or not. I mean, Ron DeSantis is polling great right now. He's got a lot of support, a lot of credibility with, with people all over the country, he's going to have to run a race, too. He's got to go out and campaign. He's got to go out and meet voters. And people are going to have to decide if they like him in person as much as they like him on paper or like him from the television. So once you see these folks out circulating, some will rise, some will fall, um, and some will have moments and some won't. But the hope would be by the time you get around to next January, this thing gets down to a one-on-one or, you know, right right after the beginning, yeah. uh, get, get down a pretty small field.
5: Yeah, I'll, one of the interesting things, too, about when we start thinking about who these candidates are and aren't and who who may be able to sort of raise their stature over the next couple of years, when I think of DeSantis, Youngkin, Kemp, potentially in Georgia. Yep. One of the things that DeSantis has done really well is, is kept himself in the media through legislative victories. He's actually governing in yep. the state of Florida. Uh, we'll probably talk about this a little bit, Joe. You alluded to it in the opening. Trump's getting attention today because of digital baseball cards. <laughs> you know, DeSantis is down in Florida... You know, doing things around school choice and parental rights. and uh, Toll
4: relief is what he did today. Now, if you're yeah. in Florida, you get, you're get you getting relief from the tolls because of inflation. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's actually responding to things that are happening.
5: And being able to govern and not just be, I'm not Trump or I am Trump. Mm-hmm. Youngkin did this, has done this really well in his first couple of months as, as governor, too. Kemp coming off of a big win. They have the chance to govern and actually do things. And Washington's going to be pretty stagnant for the next couple of years. So I think these guys are going to get a lot of attention. And I think DeSantis, you know, even he leans into these culture wars really well, but he also has a, has real legislative victories around these culture wars, too. To your point, Sean, about running a real race.
0: Let's let's see. Since Donald Trump announced his campaign, <laughs> what has he done to run a real race? I would submit to you the best thing he has done, I think, is bring on board some some good operatives, namely Chris Lasavita, who I think is one of the smartest great guy operatives in the country. Um, why is that? Who is that? Chris Lasavita is one of the one of the most experienced Republican operatives in the country. You may re- remember the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth. I do. The brainchild of Chris <laughs> Lasavita. He has been a part of so many big campaigns. Helped uh, Ron Johnson in this year's Senate race in Wisconsin. This guy's a winner. I mean, he's a real operative. So why so, is it going to Trump? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's I mean, it's job. Be, being asked to, to, to run the race of a leading presidential campaign or, uh, it's like being asked to start the Super Bowl as quarterback. I mean, this is the biggest spectacle in American politics and it's the biggest office. And so that's why, I mean, I would imagine. I'm not going to hear to speak for him, but anyway, I I, I think. If I could continue making my point now. I, <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bank that for later. <laughs> I think I think I think that's the best thing he's done. His announcement was flat. Mm. Then he did nothing. Then he had dinner with this Fuentes character and Kanye West, which was really stupid, and then the, and then made the excuse. Well, how am I supposed to stop myself from having dinner with white supremacists and Kanye? West? I mean, I, I mean, how am I supposed to stop myself? <laughs> then today, he has launched Jared. You alluded to it. The digital baseball card, the NFT trading card, the trading card, which are pictures of him. Well, play the ad.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump. Hopefully, your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington. With an important announcement to make. Oh my I'm goodness! I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump right Digital here. Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork. He's an astronaut to now. My life and my career has been very exciting. You can collect your Trump Digital Cards, just like a baseball card. Or other collectibles. Here's one of the best parts: each card comes with an automatic chance to win amazing prizes, like dinner with me. I don't know if that's an amazing. Get himself in trouble. (laughs) It's what we have for golf with you and a group. What we have is what what we have. Beautiful golf courses, and they are beautiful. I'm also doing Zoom calls, a one-on-one meeting, autographing memorabilia, and so much more. We're doing a lot. My official Trump digital trading cards are $99, which doesn't sound like very much for what you're getting. Buy one and you will join a very exclusive community. It's my community, and I think it's something you're going to like, and you're gonna like it a lot. They also make perfect gifts. So you can (laughs) buy them with your credit card or crypto. All you need is an email address. Go to collecttrumpcards.com. And buy your Trump digital trading cards right now before they are all gone, and they will be gone. This How are they gone? This is my first official Trump trading card. NFT Can't you just make more? Make a copy, and yeah. you get a chance to meet me. Go to collecttrumpcards.com right now, and remember, Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. This <laughs> makes <I respect laughs> a great Christmas gift. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited.
0: Uh, okay. I guess I have to say. This is – I mean, I've seen a lot of pathetic things. This is the most <laughs> pathetic thing I've ever seen. It's pathetic. This man was the president of the United States of America. He is seeking again to become the president of the United States, and this is probably the most attention-getting thing he's done other than the white supremacist dinner since launching his campaign. I, I'm i flabbergasted. What? What? <laughs>
5: Yes,
1: yeah. I I, 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 will explain to Joe what what an NFT is. I wanted to see the springs
0: (laughs) pop out of your head
3: (laughs) as we tried to explain. What is the floor of his support? (laughs) I mean, what suckers are still existing in this world that still think that this person is legitimate uh, candidate?
0: Uh, He has a reservoir of support that will not go away. However, I will say this: Let's go back to where we started. Six months ago, if anybody had looked at the polling as oh mm. no one can beat Donald Trump. He is for sure, a hundred percent sure gonna be the Republican nominee. And today, it's it's erosion, it's decay and and people are going away. I, I, I so so I, I don't know. I mean I guess they're gonna sell. I don't know I don't know how hard it is to, to make <laughs> or sell these things. <laughs> <There's> JPEGs <laughs> I mean it's it's I've long struggled to just understand what an NFT is. That's a whole is. other story. Yeah. Like yeah. by in the way life. in this commercial which non-fungible token It was like you can pay for it via credit card. Yeah. He <laughs> said you can pay for it via credit card or crypto. crypto. crypto.
3: <laughs> Great timing. Yeah. Yeah, which, yeah talk o-
0: Yeah. Which when I was growing up, crypto was Superman's dog. You know? that was like, <laughs> God, thank you. This is my generation. I remember that. And now it's just a dog. Do you, do you <laughs> think it, it. that it will accept crypto from FTX? I would not because it's. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I don't think you can. It's gone. It's been evaporated. <sighs> it's just a weird thing. I mean,
5: to, to your question though, Joe, this, this is Trump. This is what he did. His entire the stakes, the, yeah. the the all like. This is what Trump is, and so maybe he's getting back into form. Like maybe he's warming himself. Up. As, like, as weird as it is, we, I bet
2: there's at least one other candidate who does it.
0: Did you listen to that though and say to yourself, "Boy, his heart's really in it"? I no. know. No, I mean that's the thing. Like on well, his on his announcement for his campaign.
3: Just reading, this, going through the motions. This yeah. right here, he's just... Well, he's reading it and actually ad-libbing off of the script. Like, it says it's good. I don't know if it's good. You know? It's just <laughs> yeah. insane. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's sad. A dinner it's with pathetic. Me, it's amazing prizes, like
4: a dinner with me. me. I'm not uh, really sure it's amazing, but it's what we have. Exactly.
5: <laughs>
0: it's crazy. Here's, here's the political point. If you're a Republican voter who's tired of losing, who voted for Donald Trump twice, cannot stand the thought of Joe Biden being re-elected to the presidency, would you watch that and say... This looks like the ticket to ride in 2024. Of course you would not.
3: You know, from a winning perspective, and let's talk about people who have been superstars in the past, and they go on maybe one season or two seasons too long. Think about some great players... Who were booed off the field, or at least what people grumbled when they came to the plate in baseball? Or mm. I, mean, I think about you know Mickey Mantle with his t- terrible knees, or Willie Mays, you know, playing two more seasons, you know, beyond what he should have. Tom Brady throwing those interceptions. Uh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but maybe Peyton Manning's my the better. My point being is <laughs> Derek c- Jeter. You can have some fairly um, uh, incredible fan bases of great franchises or college towns, whatever else, who are still fickle. Yeah. When it comes to if you're winning or not, and yeah, yeah, yes, I, I may have, I loved your first 15 seasons. I don't want to stick around for the 16th. It's a long campaign. I
0: would never count anyone out or in based on what's going on in December of of 2022. I will just say this is a rough ass start, brother. I mean, this is a rough, rough first month and a half. And uh, is it is
2: it his his worst month since he came down the golden elevator? But let me ask you this. Pro- maybe. Sorry. Maybe. sorry.
0: Uh, ask another way. What's the last good day, good political day that Donald Trump had? Yeah. The, the, the last time he had a good day. I think I know what I would pick. Is it something related? I don't know. Go ahead. Amy, I, Coney, Amy Barrett?
5: Coney Barrett. Yeah. I
0: think. I think it was when he got over COVID. Like when he was like he he emerges and 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 gets over COVID, and then they have the third debate. That was his best debate. Like, to me, that was the last, like, moment. I was like, okay, well, maybe this guy's, like, putting it back together here. Mm -hmm. Ever since then, it's been one bad day and one bad month politically after another. I mean, I can't think of the last good day, this guy. I really can't. And I don't see any on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this polling just kind of confirms that a lot of Republicans sort of see it the way I do. By the way, most Republicans voted for Trump twice. They liked what he did for the most part. They don't want to be flogged over this. You know, I, I think I think one one thing I'm looking for is the media is like, oh, well, now all of a sudden you see how stupid you were and how wrong you were. No, Republicans are not are not going to be flogged over this. If you want this party to move on, you're going to have to let it move on. That's my message to the media and to Democrats. If you want, if you truly want the party to move on, you got to let it move on. And I already sense there are people who don't want that to happen.
2: But of course they don't, because they can beat it. I mean, it's exactly what the DGA did and Chuck Schumer did in, in 2022. They funneled all the Trumpiest candidates and they beat every single one
3: of them. Here's what I don't know, regardless of my, the diversity of, of uh, YouTube channels I've watched in the past. <laughs> Here's what I don't know is that with the decentralization of media, with the fact that there are so many, whether it's Newsmax or OAN or Real America Voice or all the different things that are out there, I don't watch them. And so I don't know to what extent this is being covered, he is being talked about. In terms of my, my original question, it's like what his floor is. Is is there still this sense of this groundswell of Steve Bannon in the war room saying this guy is still it?
0: Well, yes. I mean, I think you're always going to have that fringe. The question really is what's Fox News doing? And it's been pretty clear over the last month that the Murdochs have abandoned ship on Donald Trump. Does, I mean do,
3: – does. Does Fox News matter as much as it did four oh, yeah. years ago and eight years ago?
0: Absolutely. I mean, really, uh, yes. And so does the Wall Street Journal. So does the New York Post. You know, this 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 conservative information hub matters a lot, and they they have totally given up on yeah. Donald Trump. And so that that permeates that that affects conversations. And Desantis is getting a lot of love from that corner of the of the media world. And so I, I think his rise in some of these surveys is in part because and, of that attention he's getting
4: and in so many ways all of the people that were in the Trump orbit in 2016 that were advocating that like hey you know this is this is a flight 93 election that this is the, an essay that was written that said that we have to storm the cockpit here to save our country like there were the people who thought that, that whole movement has moved on from Trump they've 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 fractured and the, and they really have largely gone over and gotten into DeSantis world
3: I just want to say as a public service announcement don't buy this NFT. Okay, if you're wondering, if you're thinking about this for Christmas, don't do it. We should probably say that for life. How a do you butter, so? give it to someone? You can't put it under the tree. Via email, I guess? I mean, it seems print, a weird. Print it email out. Email your Christmas. <laughs> put it in, in an envelope. <laughs> I don't know. You get a little certificate in honor of our Savior's birth. I'm giving you this <laughs> yeah. certificate. This
0: picture of Donald <laughs> Trump shooting <laughs> lasers out of his eyes while wearing an astronaut suit. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
5: This, this is sort of interesting, though, because Trump Trump sort of does what we're doing really well, too right like if he's asked on a <laughs> debate that? stage like <laughs> sort of laughing at himself or like being able to like if he's asked on a debate stage like how well did the nft baseball cards you did he's like well they're the best they they're the be- the record selling they they sold billions like there, there's never been a better selling presidential nft card like like he is so good sometimes on these stages of like the wit and the humor like the video we watched, we're all laughing at it and, like you don't know if you're laughing with him or at him. Sometimes. Oh, I definitely but, know what
0: I'm doing. Today. <laughs> but well, I mean, sometimes, sometimes. I'm aware.
5: When he gets on the stage, too, though, he there, there's nobody like him that plays into this kind of like wit. In like, he'll get up there and be like, "Who else here has a baseball card with their face on it?" And then nobody else will be able to raise. You know, like he, he he, he the, creates this. He's just good at that. Look, I me mean, the wit and though. stuff. Republicans.
0: Like I lived through the Obama years as a political operative, there was a lot of loathing. For Obama. Mm. I I think it comes nowhere near the loathing that exists among Republicans for Joe Biden. And this entire election, Republicans were saying, this this election, I mean, we have to stop this guy. This guy's ruining the country. He's throwing it in the ditch. And and the reaction to a disappointing midterm is to put this out. It I mean, it seems less than in 16. This is, stick with me on this. Trump seemed like he was the only one serious about breaking up Washington enough to actually do something about the problems of big government. He seemed like he was the only one capable of being being serious and and um, out of the box enough to really beat Washington. This is not if you believe that a serious sort of creative, like whatever person is going to have to go and, and defeat Joe Biden and, and, and rein in the swamp or whatever you want to call it. Does that seem like somebody who's taking the world as seriously as most Republicans are right now?
3: The I, only the only way that he's succeeding is that the and the thing that he's always done the best is he's made people's heads explode. Yeah. And he is doing that again. And people are going crazy over this. There's, there's now the people who are going crazy is a more diverse lot than what it was originally but the reason why republicans loved him as much as they did at one point is because he could really piss off people who were on the other side
0: speaking Perhaps. of by yes. the way yes speaking of making people's heads explode Elon Musk Elon <laughs> I have to say I have I have been trying to follow all this Elon Twitter files this but but it's this is it's it, there's a bigger story here the, from the minute he bought this thing the people who are the very online liberals, you know, who thought they owned it, who thought that they were in charge of it. I mean heads have exploded and re-exploded and then exploded some more. And then these Twitter file fights and I don't really know what to make of it because most of the country doesn't tweet. Most Twitter users don't tweet. I, I don't I don't fully know what to make of it, except one thing, most, if not all major, Institutions of information delivery in this country are controlled by the left, including this one until recently. Mm-hmm. And one thing gets taken away from them, and the absolute tantrum has been something to behold. So I don't know what's going to happen to Twitter. I don't know what's going to happen to Elon Musk. I'm not sure I care all that much. But sometimes when I don't know what to think, I look and see who's throwing a tantrum to calibrate my own views. And yeah. the people throwing a tantrum right now makes me believe whatever's happening is probably okay. It seems very <laughs> similar to the
2: <laughs> to, to the, the net neutrality warriors of a couple of years back, the people who were tweeting about it all the time, that the internet was just going to get turned off. Uh, yes. It, it, and then did it not? It did. not Oh. <laughs> it, we've all survived and the internet's still there. And it was like that weekend that Twitter was going to shut down too and yeah. everyone was lighting their hair off. And then it didn't. I, I I would add them to your mute list on Twitter, Scott. You can't because everything I follow on Twitter
0: is tweeting about. If I <laughs> muted it, there would be no tweets. What? Like ninety percent of the traffic is all about, you know, people worrying about Twitter. Hmm. I don't I I don't know. Also, I hear these people whining all the time that their that Twitter doesn't work the same as it did, or that their feeds look different, or whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like it's it's I don't understand. I I mean, are people like hallucinating
2: (laughs) i don't i mean
0: truthfully like do you really believe that somebody's like changed all the things that you follow or what what? i don't get it
4: my favorite is is recently uh since the you know the twitter files the way that they've been is you know he's secured these files and he's going to disruptive investigatory journalists and handing them off and saying you know you can run with this if you want but you know you got to tweet about it the the hand-wringing going on in the traditional media establishment about the fact that he's going to Barry Weiss and yeah. giving uh, giving these documents for her to report on as an exclusive. Yeah. They are flipping out about it. They yes. They are like, how dare he not come to Good Morning America and give us these tweets to report on? Because we sure would have. We sure would have done it. Because we've been fair and have covered the the Hunter Biden laptop it, appropriately it, it, it the only, whole entire time. It only took us two years to authenticate <laughs> the Hunter Biden stories. So we it, definitely would have gotten on top of this. Keep, keep in mind, the person they're attacking is someone who
0: worked for the New York Times of all right. places for their opinion page for yeah. a few years.
4: I mean, this is just wild. Yeah,
0: the going after of Barry and also Matt Taibbi, who got the first dump of the Twitter file. I was on. I was on the air on CNN the night. That the Taibbi stuff started to come out, and we were actually discussing Twitter, and so I was kind of watching it unfold, and uh, and I and I couldn't tell at the time like what what was going to happen, but I could I, that moment
3: I could see the like the the comments already rolling in, and I thought, oh my goodness. It, it is sad though that I mean everything is I mean, is is seen through and filtered through this you know the, the prism of whatever your your camp was going in. That no matter what this would have revealed, no matter what the Twitter files say. People have already made up their mind before it comes out, which is sad. Yeah, and and is that is that new? No, <laughs> but I'm just saying is you would think at a, at a certain point, especially journalists, would be more interested in if you have the Pentagon Papers, if you have some opportunity to peel back the layers of the things that were otherwise being that only a certain cadre of, of folks had had access to, and you can see what was being what you're how you're being lied to, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, this is the truth of it and the people aren't people are more upset about like which journalists are being given access to this and, yeah. and uh, rather than oh are you you're saying that the content moderation uh, uh, you know we're, we're not being equally applied or there was some other motivation they don't care about that What's is sad
0: well that that's my point though about the the
3: people who are most upset about that are the ones who who
0: believe themselves to be the final arbiter on what you see the gatekeepers they the, yes they yeah. they believe that they will determine if information is safe enough mm-hmm. for you to look
2: at. Well, and what truth really is, and what how you're allowed to believe it. What yeah. Was,
0: what was really illuminating was for a few
4: days after the, the first the first batch of documents came out. It's like there was no real no major like news outlet like the New York Times did a story on it for for like a few days. It, it took them a few days to do it, and and it. it it really raises questions because th- this—I understand what you're saying, Scott—about you know the audience that is on Twitter. Like, who is on Twitter? It's not the majority of the country, but it is—it is a major platform that most, pe- a lot of people use to get information. Aren't people interested in the content moderation policies? Didn't we go through? Like a 2016 election with all these sorts of accusations of Facebook ads and Russian collusion and all this sort of stuff, there were content moderation and all that was very – like what was being put on our feeds was very important for people to understand and uncover, and now no one was interested in it for
0: a few weeks? Yeah, this, this, um, this has really pulled back the curtain on the belief by the American left that they are destined to and entitled to control all of the information flow in this country. And no one else can be trusted but them to control our political discourse, to control what we see, to control, you know, even what journal what journalists decide is worthy of writing a story. Jared, yeah. you're into this crap. What you, what you? Yeah. What does Reddit say about it? Unfortunately, yeah.
5: Um, yeah, one of the other really disappointing things, too, is, uh, like, the shadow banning stuff. I think – Sky, we've talked about this. I think all of us were like, yeah, of course, they're shut." Like, it's very clear that, it's like, so, like, it's yeah. abundantly obvious. And, like, to your point, like, none of us really cared. It's like, this isn't our platform. So, like, whatever. And then it comes out that they're very clearly shadow banning people. But that means when these journalists asked Twitter, Twitter lied to you. When you wrote your story, when whoever, the post right. or whatever, said, oh, well, Twitter, Twitter told us they're not so we're going to yeah. believe them you know like they lied to you and you should be like offended by that it's a major media company looking at you and lying to you about their practices like that should offend these organizations but they're like well Elon bad so you know it's, Jerry by uh,
3: the way is our also our, our audio producer while he's sitting here you're sitting behind a mixer yes and this is what reminded me of what Twitter was doing this entire time. It's turning up and down the volume yeah. of certain voices yeah. and certain sounds. Depend- <laughs> 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 no, that is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so you proved my point. There go. Yeah. Jared well, just shadow banned Joe. Right
2: to no, his did. own face, to hey, no, the but, face. John. But think No, about I didn't. No, <laughs> I didn't.
3: And, and this is where you've I never be- done that no, before, have done done you? That. Never, no. no. And that's where I, again we were talking to Jamie Comer about this. About you know, I'm I'm conflicted on the whole notion of to what extent this should be regulated. You know, but at the same time, if it's enough of a monopoly or has that kind of a control, the fact that they literally we're, we're we're dialing that it was it was you know the, the man yeah. behind the curtain it well, was it was controlling all the different voices who was going to be heard well, and who wasn't
5: at they at the very least it seems like they lied to Congress about this right Right. and so what else did they lie about and I I think they're you know we're not going to jump to conclusions and claim they lied about everything and that they did anything they colluded with anything. but if they did lie about this they lied about these practices were there other more serious things there's been some concerns about. Um, Explicit images of ch- of children that weren't potentially handled correctly. Very serious things. Uh, again, if they lied about the shadow banning, if they lied about some of the content moderation, what else did they lie about? What else did they turn a blind eye to? Those sorts of things.
0: More to come on all this. Yes, I, I yeah. get the yes. feeling that the yeah. the House Republicans are going to look into it. I, I know we were going to um, make this a little bit of a shorter episode. But there's one thing I wanted to mention. As I hope a, you do as a political matter. Before we get to the scene, Red Herd, um, I I read a substack from a guy named Matt Iglesias, who's a liberal, uh, but I try to read smart people from the the other side. He wrote a story the other day um, entitled, The Midterms Should Be a Stake Through the Heart of the Mobilization Myth, and basically the upshot and by the way the name of his site is slowboring.com uh sounds like me <laughs> but he it was it was interesting because it he was basically saying that you know there's this theory in politics that there is no more persuasion to be done that that you can just win elections by mobilizing and he was arguing that this midterm election was proof mm-hmm. that there are people out there to be persuaded that there is persuasion to be done in politics and yeah, you know, I've taught this class on American politics at um, the Harvard Kennedy School, Summit, and we've talked about this a lot in class, and we've debated with students a lot in class about, you know, strategic theory and campaigns, and should you spend more time and money on mobilizing your base or persuading, and can you really persuade, and and anyway, it, this 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 conversation goes on a lot <clears throat> among people who run campaigns. Anyway, I would recommend. This article. I don't know if you guys looked at it in the show prep or not, but it, but it, it, it was a really interesting argument that he made about um, the need for persuasion and the and the and the need for people to buy into persuasion. Even though Hillary Clinton's infamous analysis put only half of them in the basket of deplorables, there was very little interest in even trying to reach the other half. But there just isn't some other way of doing politics. It, it,
3: so, in the campaigns you've most recently been associated with, what do you think the well, the feeling is on that.
0: I mean, I think I think he was arguing that Democrats have a lot of big Democrat campaigns have fallen prey to the idea of mobilization. As for Republicans, um, I think I think the Trump people believe that there's just the need to mobilize the hidden Trump voter out there and we'll win races. That's obviously not true, but that's what that's what they believe. they I mean, do you think Donald Trump's out there trying to persuade anybody? of anything? I don't know. I mean, I, I, so, um, so I, I just, I just think as we get into 24, there's going to be a lot of conversations in the media about campaign strategy and what the campaigns are doing, but some of it's going to be built around this, this mobilization versus persuasion and who is there to be persuaded. And, um, I don't know, I've, i found this to be incredibly interesting. Is, is, is
3: that akin to, or related to, um, Party outreach, and especially to maybe non-traditional demographic groups that people would sometimes write off. I mean, Scott, you were part of, again, a number of conversations on CNN during the midterm cycle about Republican outreach, for instance, to the Latino community. And Latinos, I shouldn't say community, because there are so many communities under that very broad umbrella. But the fact that 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 was perhaps seen as a slam dunk for Democrats for so long. Is that an example of what you're talking about here? Where we're, in other words, you there's there's there are people who are who have a variety of of backgrounds and opinions, and and they can be not necessarily the views, but you you, you, have, you have to kind of convince them that your party is someone who represents their values.
0: Well, I I to me it's 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 really more about any group of people, any group of people who just aren't that closely aligned with either party. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious that in states like Georgia and Arizona and Pennsylvania and others, there are, I mean, we call them swing voters, I Mm -hmm. guess, but they're just people who aren't that closely aligned. And therefore, they are not necessarily highly likely to vote for one party or the other. The, the, The point is they're there to be persuaded. I guess, Joe, to your point, you're talking about persuading people who have been longtime supporters of one party and bringing them over. I guess I was thinking of it more in terms of just this big group of folks kind of in the middle we really probably don't like either party very much. I mean, that's one thing about the midterms, Kevin. You know, I, I don't. I mean, G- Democrats are jubilant. If you look at the exits, Biden is not popular. Nope. His policies are not popular. Uh, it's just that the 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 Trump branded Republicans were less popular, yeah. and so they went with the lesser of two evils. And and so I, I I think I think of this as that group of people in politics who we call swing voters who live. In, there's some in every state. And the idea that you wouldn't want to compete for them if you're a Republican, say? I mean, I. Anyway, great article. Scene Red Herd time. Who wants to go first? Sean? Oh, you saw something last night that I think is no. I don't want to put, put Scene Red Herd in your mouth, but <laughs> you saw something last night that's quite noteworthy. Oh, I did. You did. I did see something. The
4: University of Louisville. Cardinals basketball team won a game. We won a game! (laughs) After
0: an 0-1-9 start. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, Long awaited. (laughs) Uh, But
4: I do actually have an article. Um, So in the Wall Street Journal, there was this piece by Eileen O'Connor, who uh, headed up the Justice Department's tax division during the Bush administration. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you all know that the U.S. House of Representatives passed a resolution on January 4th, 2021, House Resolution 8 which mandates gender inclusive language in the in the House of Representatives. What? That that struck the words father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, wife, husband, father-in-law and mother-in-law from the use of the official House rules. You're not allowed to say mother on the floor of the house? Yeah, so S- Say that date again. January 4th, 2021. So that'll
2: be the first day of the new Democratic majority there, and yes. this was their top priority. This was
4: one of their top priorities. And so, you know, this Wait, piece
0: Wait, you're saying you can't say mother on the House floor?
4: The resolution, like, the resolution is saying that it didn't it it, it it Is it
0: a binding resolution? It's House
4: Resolution 8. It says the the in this she's calling on the new Republican House majority to begin its its session by striking this resolution because at the beginning of every congress the house adopts the rules by which it will operate and it may, this resolution which Nancy Pelosi shepherded mandated gender inclusive language in the house of representatives hmm. and so uh, I, I i agree with this piece i think we should probably restore a, restore a normal language
3: yes mm-hmm. sir all right, so I'm, as you know, I'm big into energy. So the on on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon, electricity, <laughs> big energy, some Joe. big Joe energy, big energy Joe. Please <laughs> clap. <laughs> Jerry, go ahead. I'm done. No, okay. On Thursday, the North American Electric Reli- Reliability Corporation. That's one of the things that's not going to be reported all that much. Said that it came out of a report as an independent agency mm-hmm. that the electric the, the electric grid. Is, at the, is being pushed to the breaking point in California and parts of the Midwest and the South Central U.S. Basically, they're saying the reliable sources of energy are being retired too fast, Yeah, meaning the fossil fuel plants like coal, and replaced with the unreliable renewable sources of energy. This so they're saying – they emphasize, don't shut these things down. Now that's not the direction that you're going to hear about. Or you're going to hear, but this is. I'm telling you right now. There's a big concern. They're saying the next, you know, ten year forecast is the, the the breaking point, meaning brownouts, blackouts. If you don't take action, yeah. So that's that's what I've seen, read, heard.
0: All right, good call out. I mean, ask Europe how that's going. <laughs> I mean, terrible.
5: Uh, I have been listening to season two of the Case podcast. This is put on by Barstool Sports and uh, Kirk Minahan. Uh, Season one was about the death of a young girl, Jennifer Fay, in which their investigation actually led to the arrest of somebody, which is pretty crazy for a first season of a podcast. Season two, uh, about the death of a young woman, Sandra Birchmore. Uh, Both stories take place in in Massachusetts, but have a little bit of ties to Louisville because it examines the Explorer program, which people Mm -hmm. who know... Um, Metropolis. Yes, and so there's a little bit tie in to to Louisville here, and even they talk about the Courier-Journals reporting, which is kind of interesting to hear that. But I think we're on episode three, so if you want to hop in early, uh, I would suggest it. Short episodes are like thirty minutes, so if you're traveling for the holidays, you can catch up on the first three or four episodes uh, of the Case Podcast.
2: Kevin. So it's uh, Christmas time, and we've been watching a lot of the old Rankin and Bass standards. Uh, We were gifted a box set of 18 of them. Think Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah. There are 17 more of them, and boy, are some of them terrible.
0: Wait, 17 more Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer sequels?
2: 17 more... Uh, uh, Claymation, Rankin-Bass. So like Frosty. There's Jack Frost. There's one, uh, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Sounds fun. Sounds upbeat. No, it prominently features the ghost of death coming and all the other immortals deciding whether Santa Claus gets to live forever. (laughs) Um,
0: That's morbid.
2: It is. It is. And that's what we've been watching in my house.
0: does Santa fight the ghost of death? I could get into this.
2: (laughs) You know, I didn't make it that far. I fell asleep halfway through. (laughs) My kid didn't like it either.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So um, that's what we've been watching in our house. You know, I saw a trailer for a Christmas movie with a famous actor. And it's coming out. And Santa Claus is basically beating the crap out of a number of people. Oh yes. Oh, and the actor is uh, from Stranger Vi- Things, Vi- right? Violent
2: Night, I think. Yeah. yeah, is what it's called. Yeah. It's called
3: yes, Violet. it's David uh, David uh, Harbor. Is that yeah, 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 yeah. You guys, by the way, sound great on pop culture. So go ahead. Uh,
0: <laughs> anyway, what my, mine it, was rel- from the '40s. Isn't I that- <laughs> may I may go see this because the trailer I saw I really liked the concept. You have coughed through the last two podcasts. I know. How are we not all infected with eight respiratory diseases right now? It's a tiny room over uh, here. I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm good. It's about to be a violent night in here. <laughs> I just uh, – anyway, I just think I'm going to put this in the Jennings that seems like Christmas pantheon. But I'm interested in the other – if you could send me a list, I may pick some out. They all
2: have very nice-sounding names, and then about three minutes in, you see – When were these on TV? 60s, 70s, They went from 50s? the 40s to the 70s. Really? The, so – I don't know who's in charge of all of them, but there's, there's 18 of these. And you can tell because it's a box DVD set. And some of them, like Frosty, is on a DVD by itself. Some of them, they shove four of them on one DVD because it's not selling.
0: Man, amazing. Am I the last one? The last one. I seen a huge amount of the country last week. I drove the Jennings family RV from Prospect, where I live, Kentucky, Uh, Kentucky, all the way to Sebring, Florida, which is over a 1,000 miles away. I took my dad down. He's going to spend the winter in Florida, play some golf. Um, It was interesting because we made this trip on the one-year anniversary of the tornado destroying his home in Dawson Springs. Mm. And so, anyway, took my dad down. We routed through the Great Smoky Mountains. It was incredible. We routed uh, through – uh, uh, Southern Tennessee. I I stopped at the uh, National Battlefield, the Battle of Chickamauga. Yeah. Which was a a, a nice stop there, and then we also uh, stopped at the uh, DeSoto National Memorial, which is uh, in Bradenton, Florida, as well. So I clicked off three national park. Speaking of Jared's cough. Yeah. Whole <laughs> <laughs> other story. Um. Um. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I just I was. Again, reminded of how beautiful our country is, how good the national parks are, how much fun it is to be out here in middle America, and met a lot of great people along the trip. My dad's hanging out at a RV place in uh, in uh, Sebring for the winter, met some good folks down there who were just enjoying the nice weather. And uh, anyway, it was uh, after having the sort of stress of the midterm and everything I do and the media stuff, and just, you know, it was, it was a high anxiety election, getting out, Unwinding a little bit uh, on a little road trip was uh, was it was good to see America. How many Bucky's did you go to? Uh, we went to three. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> one in Kentucky, in Richmond, and two in Georgia. There you go. And uh, that was that was pretty amazing. I still haven't been there. I haven't been to one.
2: No. Yeah, we'll we should to... go together, Joe. It was we, quite should, a... we should take a road trip. Can together. You do a live pod from Bucky's.
0: It's like Jeff Foxworthy had sex with a Costco. <laughs> And
3: Bucky's came out. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> next week. On Forever country with Scott Jennings. We will take a look at our Christmas draft. Jared, explain to me the rules of next week. How are we going to do this?
5: So uh, loyal listeners, our longtime <laughs> listeners on the show. It's, on, know... it's been on for one year. But go ahead. <laughs> That's a lot. Well, no a more, long than a, time. more than a year because okay. last year we did the Thanksgiving draft and we drafted some of the best things about Thanksgiving in and around Thanksgiving, and so we're going to do that for Christmas this year too. Drafting the best things. Um, I don't think anybody's going to take Joe's because I'm sure it'll be all be black and white or records <laughs> oh. and uh, I don't know canned foods again. And stuff that's like next that. week on Over Country. <laughs> thanks, Jared, Scott,
3: Sean, and Kevin. Scott, thanks for uh, allowing us into your humble abode here on Fly Over Country with Scott Jennings.
0: And we thank all the listeners. We look forward to bringing the Christmas draft. And then after that, we're going to have a show of uh, New Year's sort of uh, predictions and look back on sort of year in review. So we've got a couple of neat shows coming up, and then we'll hit the new year with the ground running right here on Fly Over Country with Scott Jennings. Fly Over Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Fly Over Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast.